When was the last time that you played? <laughs> With you while we were getting ready because we were being silly. Yeah, it's like just, I, I like to talk about being silly, however he likes to be silly. You know, so um, I was just telling you, I'm, I'm engaged and I'm going to be moving with my fiance and his son soon. And, and I was just on the phone with them and um, we got into some series of impersonations of, I think it was like we were going to go into the forest, but he was our forest trip leader. And then the son and I were nervous. Like we just kind of all fell into these characters just for like a couple minutes. It was just funny. Everybody was just laughing. So I think play is probably in a lot of people's days, probably more than they realize. Just joking around with the person across the counter, you know, saying something in a funny voice, whatever you do, that's all play. Welcome to Lead with a Dash of Play. Here we talk about the how and why of reclaiming playfulness as adults in order to build more connected, innovative, and human-centered workspaces. Isn't that what leadership is all about? I'm your host, Mary Hendra. Let's play. My guest today is Bridget Quigg. Bridget has a long history working in tech, marketing, startups, and she's blended that with her skills in improv and performance to work with companies like, well, you'll hear about the companies. She also believes that you are a genius. That's right. She runs workshops called You Are a Genius, and she believes it. Does that make you uncomfortable? Take a listen. Genius is just something you're born with. It's innate. It's, you can't get rid of it. That's what genius is. So the idea is that everyone is a creative genius, is what I like to say, mm-hmm. because everybody has an endless endless font of creativity inside of them. And it's not just like painting frescoes. This is like the bridge is closed. I need to figure out how to drive around. I don't have any milk, but I'd sure love some cereal this morning. What else do I have? You know, I don't have this sweater because it's dirty. We actually are, how am I going to make this food come together to create a meal in time for when my guests arrive? You know, we're actually all immensely solution and fixing and creating oriented. We're brilliant actually. And so to really highlight that, I do that in my workshops that everyone says unique the creativity, it's ready for you whenever you need it and um, appropriate to the moment. And actually the world needs to hear it is the other thing I like to say. That's kind of the more confidence boosting. So um, in my workshops, what I'm really trying to do is I say, I want you to learn just to hear your great ideas and help others do the same. So it's an environment of creative support and acknowledgement that builds and becomes more fun and more playful over time. I love that. Is there a way that you, um, that you actually define play when you are working with people? Oh, that's interesting. So when I talk about play, what I, what I do say when I introduce people and then I'll define play is when I introduce my workshop, I'm often talking to people who have no idea what's going to happen to them. They're in the middle of what would be a normal work day, assuming they're going to have like normal things happen to them. And then they get into my workshop and they're like, oh no. And I say, if you, if you survived a third grade PE and or recess, you are going to rock this experience. That's about, that's the level of challenge. You are, most people just kind of laugh and think like, well, yeah, I guess I did, you know, because um, that part of us is always there, that third grader who is like, yeah, it's recess, let's go. It's just got to be harvested and brought out a little bit. Play, I guess for me is frivolous. Um, it often results in spontaneous laughter. Um, it has, it has a lack of order and control about it. Yeah. A little bit of unexpected. Well, and I'm struck by your, your 
kind of caveat, if you survived third grade, third grade <laughs> PE, uh, because that feels so different from the workday. Yes. And for me, when I think of third grade, I was, I, I didn't have all the filters or the yeah. concerns about how I was being perceived or being professional or yeah. any of that. Yeah. So third grade would, would feel yeah. kind of intimidating to think about that. <laughs> you were probably really good at jumping into games though and going for them. Be like, I'm going to figure this out. I want to play another round. <laughs> do you, do you get resistance from people oh, when it's yes. during the workday? Of course. One of my favorite stories is last summer, I worked at a hangar. This was a hoot. This is a private jet company here in Seattle. They, so they had private jets and so they, they got their pilots together for a barbecue after, you know, the pandemic had been going on for a while and everybody hadn't been hanging out. So I get into this beautiful setting with these gorgeous planes in this hangar and this group of mostly men. There was one woman pilot there and the, everybody's in their matching polo shirts and very tidy. And a lot of them are military currently you like as this is happening yeah. and so the woman gets up and does my least favorite thing she's like Bridget's here to teach us about improv and everyone's <laughs> shoulders straight back straight up faces went completely emotionless and just everything tightened and went in and they're just their whole body stiffened and it was like the answer was no I will not be doing that in case you are wondering like or I will do the minimal to survive this experience so I came up and I was like okay so you know cats out of the bag none of you want to even see me here like I get it I kind of, I'll tease them a little bit <laughs> and I'll say well I'm gonna make a deal with you you're gonna have fun whether you want to or not and get up out of your chairs get into you know groups of six standing over there and, and we're gonna get started so I didn't even give them time I started to do my pitch about creativity and I thought nah these guys need to move. They need to interact. So play is great when it includes movement, obviously. But what happened, it was funny at the end, there's this, you know, let's go around a circle, say what we learned. And three different people, which I would multiply probably meant 12 said, you know, in their hearts, but three said out loud, I really thought I was going to hate this, but it was a lot of fun. <laughs> so, there you go. Yeah. Um, well, and I, and I love that you overcame resistance by just diving in. Yeah. Especially if, I mean, if anybody wants to facilitate adults getting to play, if you can get people moving at all, that is going to be your, your quickest or clapping their hands, stomping their feet, moving, just get them in a circle and, and force it. Okay. Walk and make eye contact with every third person, give them any small bit of structure that is a form of a game or anything. Structure also gives them safety. One of the rules in improv is the more you throw on an improviser, like, okay, I'm going to tie your left hand around your back. There's an orange in your right pocket and you want to put it in someone's left hand. Like that's your goal in the scene. <laughs> that person is probably going to be pretty entertaining and they're going to be very determined, right? So they're yeah. going to be like, so uh, how's it going? What's that on your finger that no one on that hand? You know what I mean? It's like, Hey, you look hungry. I don't know. They'll, they'll be very into it. Right. They're going to have, so structure um, really can bring out a lot of creativity in people and, and play energy actually more than you would believe. Cause they feel safe. It's like, Oh, I just have to do this. Oh, okay. How long is it? Oh, okay. I can do that. When you started describing that, I could see, I could almost feel myself in a room like letting my feet sure. become sure. grounded. I am yes. not going to move. Yes. Right. Yes. And that in some ways feels safe, but it's totally going in on myself Yeah, um, and moving. I can see that, you know, yeah. shifting people out, yeah. but then that element of giving constraints. Yes. And um, just instruction. Yes. Instruction mm -hmm. that struck mm -hmm. the safety of structure. Yes. I can see that also like yes. it shifts you out of yourself because now you're almost trying to solve a puzzle. Yes. Absolutely. You're totally engaged now. It's like, oh, I got to figure this out. 
and like everybody else is doing it. And it's just kind of fun. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's it takes, it takes seconds sometimes for people to switch from absolutely not to like, Oh, well, I don't, I, I don't mind if I do, you know, like yeah. that's kind of fun. Yeah. So there's a, obviously a short-term impact mm-hmm. in these workshops, mm-hmm. people relax. I'm, I'm picturing and, <laughs> and you identify that they shifted to, you know, how they, how they ended it with recognizing this was fun. Mm-hmm. What other impacts do you see from bringing play into mm-hmm. a work uh, team environment? If you're interested in improv, you probably know the term like yes and, is, but I teach it as acknowledge and build. It's not necessarily saying, so acknowledge and build, make your partner look good. The, the difference between yes and and yes, but is brought home with fierce clarity through a number of games where you really feel the pain of getting butted, you know, which is basically stopped in your creative process. So um, what I have heard and what I see people use the language as a way of making sense of situations that are hard sometimes, or they can tell they're getting into trouble. And it's like, okay, guys, let's stay in yes. And here, come on now. You know, it's like, okay, so yes. And we could also call that place, you know, we could get some more resources. Yes. And we could ask the client if we could have another week and explain to them why we need it. Yes. You know, they try to use the stuff from the class, at least try and they have a way of saying it though everybody gets it immediately after them saying that like okay that's where we're headed right we got two down right um so it isn't i guess it's a form of play in that it's a very collaborative energy yes and you have to listen and build and listen and build you don't just ramrod or stay silent there there seems to be a power there both of um a common language yes that they've developed because they were in your workshop together mm-hmm. and uh, an escape route for yes uh, for a moment of of trouble or of discomfort yeah yeah absolutely that's true yeah because I think the thing about play and work and like you pointed it out so well like if they're in the workplace and all of a sudden they're supposed to play those things don't feel like they go together um that is part of the the power of like maybe just a language trick like that. It doesn't take them that far out of the fact that they are actually in a company dealing with a stressful situation, trying to make a living and meet a budget and keep clients up, you know, because if you get to like, we just need to be wacky. I, because I worked in business for so long and worked on stage so long, I bring those together as opposed to have only been on the stage and bringing in the stage without knowing the pressure of deadlines and the pain of failure and the embarrassment of a you know poorly written press release or all the things that can happen where you're like, oh, geez, we can't ever do that again. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned to me recently, this group of construction workers. Yes. <laughs> can, can you set the stage for us? <laughs> totally. what, what, I know, what was I know, going on? <laughs> I know. It's really beautiful. So a friend from high school runs a construction company, met on a ferry in Seattle, like how charming and lovely. And he's like, wow, you do that. I've always wanted to do that. So of course he writes me a week later. So I worked with 80 people at this company. Now I'm not exactly with the guys and gals out in the field, but pretty close. So some of them worked in the field. So literally you've got, you know, plenty of dudes who are six foot five and over with like sweatshirts with dust on them and dusty boots and kind of the energy. Also the in-office staffs, so you've got accounting and they really tried to mix everyone together. They did a beautiful job. So the only thing I would say is there's a lot of silence sometimes in those groups. And that's, that's, a, that's a form of resistance. A lot of times just like, I'm just not going to say anything like, or I'll, I'll barely participate. Now they crack pretty easily. A lot of times they just <laughs> want to play. But the thing that is funny, I will say is like you get into, and this, I noticed at the hangar as well. Um, and I'm not trying to stereotype, but it's just in this particular groups, more like military, um, 
like more than one group saved Ukraine in these improv sessions. <laughs> and that's just an example. You know what I mean? Like we flew in at night and like we all had motorcycles that dropped from the planes. And because we do a lot of like adventure building and storytelling that's imaginative. Say, back us up here a little bit. How did you get sorry. to Ukraine? <laughs> right. Sorry. Pardon me. So there's a game called Let's Go on an Adventure. So the idea is that you're standing in a circle and it can be a group of like five or six people. It's really fun to do on road trips. You can do it with kids. So the first person simply says, let's go on an adventure. And every person after that starts their phrase with yes. And so you go around in a circle and it can go on and on forever, or you can stop and start new ones. Next person might say, yes. And we'll go to Tahiti. So you get one idea and then you pause and then you start to listen again because you want to always be building. So there's a lot of discipline actually in the game, even though it's really, if it's done well, even if it's really fun, even though it's really fun. So a lot of people, Mexico, you know, Las Vegas go to outer space. Well, and consistently in these groups that I was in with the pilots and the construction foreman, there was just a lot of high adventure tanks, you know, again, a lot of motorcycles, a lot of saving of people, killing bad guys, you know, it was just really um, funny. And then I'll work with like IT developers. So this is going to play their play mindset, tons of sci-fi, beautiful, complex, you know, slime guns and robots and, you know, other planets. And so within these sessions that I do with these different groups, um, where they go to play, what worlds they like to create definitely reflects their personalities and who they are and what, what's fun to them is different. Yeah. Uh, so switch a little bit here. Yeah. Yeah. You have written a couple books on intuition. Yeah. What do you see as the connection between play and oh, intuition? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a great question. Yeah. I mean, so I have a theory people, you know, I started a lot working with creativity and that concept before I started moving into teaching intuition classes. And I remember talking to somebody and saying this, but she was kind of like, well, yeah, duh, a little bit, but it's almost like intuition and creativity come from the same part of us, whatever you want to make. Cause it's very ethereal. Actually, it's totally out of our control. It's really unique to us. It's endless. These are all things I teach about creativity. We're all just deep, but I would put intuition in the same sort of bucket. It has a little different feel. It's not as generative. It's a little more receptive. It's like more noticing and feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, so with intuition and play, I, I feel like intuition a lot of times leads us to, um, well, softer, receptive, um, almost like bubbles bubbling up in a glass, like wonderful things where it's like, oh, I didn't know I wanted to sit and have a croissant. And now I've met this wonderful person who just happened to be sitting here today. And we have this thing in common. Like I followed my instinct to just sit down and take a little rest. And now I'm having this serendipitous, joyful thing happen. So um, I, I associate intuition, although intuition can lead us to really difficult things too, that we need to work through, you know, like- right whether it's a relationship or a trip we need to take to take care of something, but it's the right thing for us. Um, a lot of times I find intuition leads us to serendipitous joy. Um, mm. So like, I just felt like calling you, oh man, I'm so glad. Cause boy, what a day I've had. So good to hear from you. That kind of energy or like, I just love this sweater and it feels so good in my arms. I'm just going to get it. And then, you know, because you have that sweater on and that color that day, somebody comes up and talks to you who actually ends up being really important in your life. It's this got this path of wonders feel to me. Um, and for me, intuition is a very self-loving practice and actually though it makes you a much kinder, more generous person. So the more you practice listening to yourself, the kinder usually you are to the world, um, which I think is also play, I think has a lot of kindness in it when done openly, you know, it's not a controlling practice. Play is a very, very um, effervescent, fun, receptive 
light practice, you know? So yeah, they have a lot in common, I would say. The, the way you've described play, it, it seems, or it feels very, um, very much like you, you are letting go of yeah. the need to control mm-hmm. and the, um, the need to be in control. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think that's very true. In fact, I would say with intuition and creativity, there's a lot of that going on too. Yeah. 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 It's interesting because if you've ever worked in the workplace, which you have, you see a lot of the troubles come from an intense need for control or points where things get stuck or don't go well. People who people have trouble working with sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times people who are quote, highly intelligent, highly high achieving, um, have been rewarded so massively for delivering well, that the, the looseness required to do something fresh and, um, maybe playful, you know, feels so risky after, after a point. And I don't think everyone starts there, but I think after a while, some is that curmudgeon energy, you know what I mean? He's like <laughs> really skilled, but boy, I don't want to work with them. You know what I mean? Or her, cause they're just too tight, you know? So that's the beauty. I think of uh, having an office, um, that has some play in it. When you described that, I, I can see how play helps you actually see another person better. Oh, lovely. Yes, Absolutely. Because if you're, if you're set on, this is the way we yes. do it, this is how I've gotten success. You're mm-hmm. not open to other people's ideas, mm-hmm. but when you turn and open towards play, you have mm-hmm. to listen. You have to hear what somebody else is. You have to actually see another person and their ideas. Absolutely. Very well said. It's funny. I just remembered this. So construction company had this lovely woman who was their copywriter, who was just this, you know, immensely known for being immensely introverted, perhaps a little scowly, but in a funny way, person in the office, right? Like I don't really talk to people. I just come here, do my job and leave, but endearing. And at the end of the session, she ended up having just a great time, like was definitely one of the people at the beginning who was just like, I do not belong in this experience <laughs> and, you know, patiently join the games and particularly love the storytelling game. No surprise. And by the end of it, her comment was, well, I guess what I learned today is that I like you all a lot better than I thought I did. And it's actually not so bad spending time with you. That was literally her, her conclusion. And they just all laughed. Cause like, we know, we know you don't like us. You know, so it just reminds me of what you just said. Cause she played with all of them. I have one other story I'd love to tell though, from that construction person experience. So it was interesting. So there was this one, you know, of many, you know, kind of large, intimidating, physically men in this group. Now I'm six feet tall, so I'm not as, but I mean, these guys are big, you know, and, and this one guy very, very, in a very vulnerable way, um, uh, responded to something I talked about. So in improv, there's something called a block. So there's yes. And which is, I hear you now here's me. There's yes, but I hear you, but so it tends to put people kind of in their place, but control a block is, I don't hear you. Mm-hmm. And in an improv scene, it is totally destructive. The show has ended. And now we will start again because once people start ignoring people, which what we were just talking about with the games is the games inspire paying attention to someone else. Whereas a block yeah. is an ignoring move. And this one gentleman, um, who was, I would say when I didn't expect to raise his hand, raise his hand, he said, we have someone who blocks. And I said, you do? He goes, yeah, at the, out at the, at the job sites, he'll just come in and you'll say things to him and he'll just ignore you and walk by and critique everything. I said, yep, that's a block. He goes, yeah. And I was it's like, you don't like, and I think I said, it's not much fun to work with that guy. Is it? He goes, no, no, it's not. I said, yeah, not very respectful. He goes, yep. He's older. Yeah. He thinks he knows everything. I said, yeah, that's blocking stinks, you know? So it's really interesting. It gave him a way to be like, he won't play with me. (laughs) 
truly, that guy really won't play with you. He's not even gonna listen to you. So I thought was an, it was a very sort of uh, uh, vulnerable moment. I was really impressed he spoke up. Oh, I remembered my story. Can I tell my story? Yes. Okay. So tech companies for years have been known for having Nerf gun fights. I don't know if you know. Okay. Okay. So this is a thing. So I worked at a small company called Socrata and, and literally, you know, in the top drawer, a lot of people had Nerf guns ready. And then the next drawer would just be full of Nerf bullets. That was not uncommon. So we in the marketing department were small. There was a lot of engineers. And so I would go around and scavenge bullets. That was my job. And then my buddy, Brian, who was the only marketer would shoot the gun. So often we would get attacked. We also had a monkey we could launch. So you would just be sitting there working and all of a sudden this like, wah, wah, like, you know, they would rubber band the monkey over and like hit you in the head, you know, while you're trying to type. So there was a lot of actual like interruptive play in our office when I, I was reflecting on this before um, the podcast. And at times it would be like a 20 minute Nerf gun war in the middle of a day where everybody had meetings and other things were gone. Everyone was working like 20 minutes ago, but now we're fully engaged and people are rolling all over the floor and trying to hit other people. And um, it was just so fun. You know, it broke the tension and it was a fun thing, you know, very harmless play. Well, and it's interesting. It sounded, sounds like you went quickly into, and then I imagine yeah, it just could quickly transition out of play. Yep. That's right. Yep. So I was going to ask you how you <laughs> prepare yourself to play <laughs> or to create a space of play. Well, I think there is something to that. That's actually, I think a really important thing to address because it kind of gets back to the self-care thing with intuition or just self-care in general. People who are tired, people who are hungry, people have been talked negatively, negatively too recently, um, don't want to play much. They need to rest. So a lot of times play is not where people are at. And that's a delicate balance. Like I've been asked to come down to San Francisco in the next few months and work with a series of emergency room department staffs. So this is a bunch of people who basically the concern of the program is they are tired. You know, they've just been through COVID and they are they're, they're beat down. And so I said to the woman, I said, are you sure it's play you want, or do you want them to do like meditation or rest? She goes, we did that. Didn't work. They need play. (laughs) I want them to play with each other. I said, okay, then I'm your girl. That's cool. I read about play as well. Right. And I, and quotes about play attach themselves to my brain. Um, So one that I came across recently is from the book titled play by Stuart Brown, where he says, when we play, we are engaged in the purest expression of our humanity, the truest expression of our individuality. Wow. Oh, I love that. Gives me chills. I'm curious whether, whether you agree with that, you know, a space or how you've seen it. It's really interesting. So it brings me, reminds me of how I often say that improv is the answer to world peace, which I know is a really bold statement. People like watch what you say, you know, especially everything going on in the world. And I mean it somewhat jokingly, but part of why I say it is because I genuinely believe that in any setting where people are truly using an improviser's mindset and truly using yes and in all of their communications, Mm -hmm. like I hear you and acknowledge you. And now here's me and I'm going to listen to you again, that kind of real profoundly respectful where every person's getting that it's a very um it's peaceful 
it's like, it's, it's, it's just, it's so humane. Actually, people think improv is random. There's actually tons of little rules and guidelines and improvisers rehearse because they're learning to treat each other in a way that actually we don't usually treat each other, you know? So I imagine that concept that play is our most human self. Part of it to me feels like too, it's because it is unscripted, um, and has, a, a just pure, genuine, authentic, free-flowing energy to it and again there's not a lot of control you can't you can't hold it in you know um I I love that definition I mean I'm open to that being true I guess is how I'd say I like it I think it's a wonderful thought and I think it's a real education for adults that if that's our truest self boy we gotta we gotta goof around a whole lot more yeah absolutely the other thing you're you're describing reminds me of is Priya Parker, when she talks about gathering and says, in a gathering, you're actually creating a temporary alternate world. Nice. And that in that space where there are rules, there are, uh-huh. there is structure, there is a safety you've created for the people who are gathering, but you are creating this different space in which yes. people play with interaction in a different way, or yes, even yes. play with their identity in a different way. Sure what they might walk away from that temporary alternate reality is a new learning about themselves, about their teammates, um, about how they want to engage in the world. I wish for us to gather more, you Mm -hmm. know, obviously COVID pointed out, but even before COVID, I knew we needed to get together more and just hang out as groups. You know, it's just so grounding and, and, um, softens our hearts, right? We all know this, like, especially when there's a diversity of people uh, in any way. Um, you just gotta be a kinder, sweeter version of yourself. But, um, the construction company had a number of people who, during the sessions, I got one guy who said to me, he goes, I'm just worried we're spending budget on this. You know, (laughs) that's a lot of people in this room. We're paying, you know, kind of, I was like, I respect that. And you're a good employee for thinking that, you know, and fair enough, you know, just hang with me. We'll keep going. And this other gentleman had just He'd, he'd gotten along, but he'd been a very quiet. He obviously was on the analytical side of things. And anyways, I heard a story when I got back there the next week from the CEO, who's the president, who's my friend. And he, he said, well, someone got caught last week doing the yes and thing who we did not expect. So this is that, <laughs> that guy who had kind of been giving me the kind of like, what the heck are we doing here? He was in a situation where normally he would have been very combative. Um, they were trying to negotiate a change in a project, which is stressful. You know, it's like right. really stinks. There's money, there's timelines. And he basically verbally used yes. And to try and keep a conversation going in a way that was moving it forward. And, and his peer observed him basically and reported, <laughs> reported him in. And that's why I heard about it. But, but he obviously took something in spite of his apparent sort of like, I don't know what we're doing here. Kind of, he did it basically. And, um, was known for basically being kind of like, well, I know what's right here. And so I'm going to fight you on this point. Instead went, okay, I hear you. And, uh, how about this? You know, just a much kinder, easier person to work with. So anyways, it just made me think of that. Like we take things away from our experiences in in groups with other humans. Um, and sometimes I don't even think we are aware later until later that we did. So that reminds me of that. Well, and that's the beauty of it, right? If we've actually done it and, you know, in the spaces you've created, it sounds like people are doing it, it's not that they're hearing you lecture about it. They are doing it, engaging, Mm -hmm. interacting, and it becomes part of the vocabulary that we can use or the way we might think because we've actually practiced it. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I felt the difference. Totally. I love it. So we're nearing the end. Yeah. I do have a final question for you, but before I get to that, um, how can people follow you, be inspired by you, <laughs> connect with you if they would like to? Well, thank you for asking. Uh, so I, my website is bridgetquig.com. You can always write me a, a little note if you want to connect there. And I also have my classes always listed there um, and, and just information about my work. That's kind of the main hub. I'm also technically on TikTok doing occasional intuition, one minute tip videos, which have been really fun. So I have one of those to produce later today. And then um, I don't have a YouTube uh, channel. It's probably only other um, big thing, which is Bridget Quig Media. Um, on YouTube. There's a Bridget Quick channel that's kind of latent, but that's where a lot of my stuff is. You can watch shows and videos about my work, um, but I don't really hit social media that hard. I'll be honest. I'm a little, I kind of do my work and then live my life. I'm, I'm happy to connect on LinkedIn with anybody. So final question. Okay. I don't want to ask you questions. I'm like, tell me about, no, but go ahead. I'm listening. <laughs> um, could you leave our listeners with one invitation to play at work? Oh, yeah, absolutely. But just adding a little, little laughter, a little silliness or a little nickname or any way to make someone just a little levity in the email that you send something funny you thought of that day, anything just to make it take the tightness and just soften it. Um, maybe just in one communication today that alone actually is hitting the play button for people in their, in their souls. That resonates for me. I, one time I uh, was trying to coordinate a meeting that was, it was really important and it was time sensitive and we had to put it together really quickly on the calendar and it was all coming together very quickly. I appreciated her, her moving things around on her yeah. schedule, literally to get okay. me in within 24 hours. Wow. And so I had offered to send the calendar invite. And when I sent the calendar invite, <laughs> I identified it like Mary and Aaron solve the world's problems. There you go. <laughs> that <Perfect. was> exactly. <laughs> that was the name of our meeting. Beautiful. And it definitely brought a chuckle to her. And she, uh -huh. you know, she laughed both when she accepted the calendar invite. And when we first got on the phone, it, I it, love it. it was a nice That's a perfect to... example. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you, you brought the play, Mary. Good job. I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Bridget. It I'm was honored. such fun to talk with you about play today. Well, thank you for having me, Mary. I'm excited for what you're doing. More play, please. Thank you for listening to the Lead with a Dash of Play podcast. Reza Zaidi and Joanna Stevens created and provided the beautifully playful and reflective music you hear in this podcast. The song is titled Holding Rain. This podcast was created out of curiosity, and I hope you'll share your thoughts and questions with me. Email me at mary at maryhendra.com or join the conversation on LinkedIn, redefining play and reclaiming this leadership skill for its potential to bring authenticity and joy into our professional spaces.